Hello, I'm Lucy. And I'm Michelle. Welcome to another episode of Tudoriferous, the biographical podcast that examines lives in the Tudor era. And today, Henry Percy. Henry Percy, the fourth Earl of Northumberland. Oh, the fourth Earl. Yes, not any of the more famous ones. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not the one that Anne was interested in. No. Okay. Not that one. Well, come to him. By that I mean Anne Boleyn. Yes. Yes. Well, I knew two things about this man. He didn't move at the Battle of Bosworth and he was killed by a mob. (laughs) That doesn't bode well for his poor life. (laughs) Well, I didn't know why for either of these things. So now's our chance to find out. And we will find out. Oh, we actually (laughs) have the information. Well, I say we'll find out. We've got a lot of options. (laughs) Oh, dear. Okay. But any or some or all of them could be the case. So there we go. Okay. Come with me, if you will, to one of Percy's estates in Northumberland. Henry Percy himself is sitting up in bed waiting for someone to bring him his breakfast. After twiddling his thumbs and shouting now and then, he gets up to go and find out what's happened. He walks down empty corridors, calling for his servants. He's annoyed now. How can they leave him here to fend for himself? And where the hell are they all? He goes down to the kitchens. Empty. He steps out of his front door. No sign of the armory of gardeners that usually swarm all over the land. What's going on? He went to the dining room. There was a lone plate with a bowl on top to keep the cats off. He lifted the bowl. A hunk of mutton and a mashed turnip, cold and lumpy. Next to it was a note. Gone over to Richard. More money. Sauce and all that. Love everyone. (laughs) (laughs) And in my head I'm thinking, did the zombie apocalypse happen? Well, probably worse as far as Henry's concerned. <laughs> yes. In fact, I've called, him, I've called him Henry Percy all the way through this because we've, we've got so many Henrys. I'm just sticking to yes. Henry Percy. Yes. And calling him Percy, I don't know, it's, it doesn't fit the, the character, I don't think. Okay. It's, it's quite a nice twee name, Percy. It's the sort of name he called a cat. I think apologies yes. to Percy's. But, yes, uh, so he's Henry Percy. Okay. Henry Percy's father... A Lancastrian had been posthumously attainted by Edward IV following the Battle of Towton. Oh. And so Henry Percy missed out on the title, goods and assets of his father from 1461. So he was in the same position as Francis Lovell, whose father had also been attainted after Towton. Yes. Although, unfortunately, he didn't die at Towton, so his family probably (laughs) wished he had. (laughs) I read that Henry Percy was too young to be at Towton or that he was there and he was captured. He would have been oh. about 12. So I think unlikely he'd have been there, but... Unless he was witnessing it like Henry was yeah. when he was 12. Yeah. You just have to stand there and watch. I don't want to see this. It'll be good for you. Yeah. Get used to it. He was then taken to the tower. And don't think dungeon. He was being well treated. But that good treatment was in part dependent on the good behaviour of his uncles. Ah, he was a hostage. We think of it now as a hostage, but it's standard practice then to ensure someone's loyalty by holding something that they presumably hold dear. So It's still a hostage. It's a hostage. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hostage of a 12-year-old boy. He had two uncles who were relevant here, and one of them, Ralph, was described as stable and principled, and the other, Richard 
was said to have been an alcoholic who suffered periodic bouts of sociopathic behavior. Oh, God, you're screwed. (laughs) (laughs) I don't suppose Ah. they called it sociopathic behavior. Oh, dear. Sadly, I couldn't find much information about Richard, since he sounds by far the more interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I looked on his dad's Wikipedia page, but under issue, it says Henry, Thomas, Catherine, Ralph, among others. So Richard oh. is Richard's included under In among, among others. others. <laughs> oh, you know you're bad when your family doesn't even want to acknowledge you a hundred years later, thousands yes. of years later. You're still being yes, son. Others. I have no son. Yes, <laughs> Ralph. We have information on him. The boring one had been made constable of the fortress of Dunstanburg by Margaret of Anjou. Oh, at the time when she was she was able to hand out these things rather than Henry the Sixth. Yeah, and he surrendered it without fuss to Edward the Fourth. And part of his decision to do this must have been the knowledge that the well-being of his little nephew Henry, just twelve years old, rested with him and his cooperation. Okay. Although Ralph Percy had handed over Dunstanburg, Edward the Fourth kept him in his position of constable. And it was a risky tactic. But Edward decided that his best bet was to try to turn the Percys over to the Yorkists, now that they must have realised there was no choice. Yeah, but Edward always made those weird decisions where you think, mm, this isn't going to go well. Well, yeah, I mean, he has a point, because the Percys already had the standing and the followers in the north, so it's better to try and harness that yes. than to superimpose another power in the area, you know, someone from right. the south that might be resent- resented and unpopular. Yeah, good point. And certain Lancastrian diehards did manage to regain some of their castles and land. But Ralph Percy towed the line. Okay. At least initially. What? As soon as Henry was out of the tower, he was like, right, let's do this now. <laughs> but when he looked as if the tide had turned in favour of the Lancastrians, no, Henry stood in the tower, Ralph, <gasps> su- Ralph suddenly said, ha, tricked you, I'm still a Lancastrian, really. <gasps> Oh, dear. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe the more he thought about little Henry, the more he remembered he didn't actually like the boy that much, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that little creep. <laughs> Unfortunately for Ralph, he was wrong in his assessment of the political situation. The tide hadn't turned at all, and Richard Neville, Earl of Warwick, was charging up to, to the north to rectify the situation. Uh-oh. That's probably what he thought, yes. Uh-oh. <laughs> Over 1461, Warwick chipped away at the remaining power that the Percys had in the north, and it looked as if the Percys' star was definitely waning. Their northern powerhouse had gone. But, as we've said many times, Edward IV could be surprisingly forgiving. Not only did he let Ralph stay constable of Dunstanburg... Again? Yeah, but also threw in the beautiful castle of Bamborough, for good measure. Bribery now? Please come to my side. Well, now I'm reading um, Machiavelli. Yeah, he always says, either be very cruel or very nice. Don't go down the middle. So Edwards is going the very nice bit. Not that he would know because Machiavelli hasn't been born yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's just interesting because in my head, Machiavelli only said it is better to be feared than loved. Was that him? Who said that? He did say that, although Caligula went for that first, didn't he? He said, I'd rather be feared than loved. Yes, but Caligula was messed in the head. Yeah, but Machiavelli 
was very keen on his classics, so he would have known. Anyway, this is entirely beside <laughs> the point. <laughs> as soon as Warwick had gone back down south, Ralph turned his castle over to the Lancastrians. He really didn't care what happened to that nephew of his. <laughs> I'm not sure what's happening to Henry Percy at the moment. He... He, he comes out of this alive, obviously. Okay. But, but um, I don't know whether... Each, Not uh, because of his uncle. No, and I don't know whether each turnaround of his uncle meant that, you know, he's getting fewer and fewer privileges in the tower. <laughs> You're going yeah. down levels of the tower. Yes, <laughs> no sweets for you. <laughs> Education? You don't need to be educated now. No. no. You want cookies? You don't get cookies. <laughs> no. <laughs> you get bread and jam. Now you don't get the jam. Now you don't get the bread. <laughs> <laughs> My, you're a skinny kid. <laughs> Edward was trying to hold peace talks with the Scots, but due to lightning strikes by the Lancastrians on Yorkist held fortresses, he had and to now postpone I'm thinking them. They're actually harnessing lightning. My brain is very literal today. <laughs> uh, both Richard and Ralph Percy were killed at the Battle of Ed- Hedgley Moor in 1464, protecting Henry VI. And oh. Ralph's last words, so we get, get a little bit of Ralph, we get his last words, okay. were, quote, I have saved the bird in my bosom, unquote, which I'm sure we've come across before. And I assume he's talking about Henry VI. Yeah, it sounds familiar. Mm. Well, that's Ralph. That's the alcoholic sociopath. <laughs> he doesn't have a bird in his bosom then. No, you are being literal today. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean... it. <laughs> In order for that saying to have worked, he would have to have full feeling for Henry. Mm. Who knows? Since he's just among others, we'll never know. (laughs) 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 No, we haven't got a bird in our bosom, but we did have a kestrel in the shed today, which I managed to get out. (laughs) Oh, hello, kestrel. Yeah, I held out a pole and it jumped on it and I stuck the pole out the door and it flew away. Uh, this battle took place in Northumberland, so it was on home territory. Again, look at the Wikipedia page for Hedgley Moor. You'll find Richard under the list of the dead, but not poor, dissolute Ralph. Well, he's in the among others of yeah, this list as well. List, yes. <laughs> I thought, well, being an alcoholic, who's probably a bit hazy about his life while he was alive, and we're certainly <laughs> hazy about it now he's dead. <laughs> Anyway, apart from George Percy, who was the rector of Rothbury and so of no interest to anybody, young Henry <laughs> Percy in the tower was now the only Percy left, apart from the girls. So, yeah, they don't count. They don't count. So, was that the end of the Percys? Obviously not. No. <laughs> because in March 1470, Edward gave Henry Percy his father's estates and titles. Wow. Henry Percy pledged fealty to King Edward. Are we are we talking about oh what's that syndrome where you end up identifying with your your kidnapper? Oh, we're Stockholm. Stockholm, yeah. Mm. Possibly because they do seem to get on. Maybe he just accepts it. You know, that's I'm a hostage. That's my job at the moment. Yeah, that's what that's what you do. I mean, some people. Well, I doubt he'd be alone. There'd probably be lots of hostages. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Might have to look into that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's God. the reason why you take the kids. Mm. I love our silences as we're both thinking it through. 
podcast gold right there. (laughs) (laughs) I'll put that bit at the end. (laughs) As we'll see later, in October 1472, Parliament revoked the attainder, which it seemed to me to be an interesting timeline. First, the restoration of the title and the property, then the revoking of the attainder two years later. Two years later? Hmm. Weird. And between the time that Henry Percy's father had been attainted and Percy receiving back his title, the earldom had gone to a Neville, Warwick's brother. So it was up for grabs again in 1470, so he could get his title back. Ah. Hmm. Well, yeah, we were just asking, why did Edward give Henry Percy everything? It can't have been purely because he was generous to a fault. That's not how kings work, generally. No. Well, unless you're Henry VI. Yeah. We can take a quick look at what's been going on in the six years between the death of his uncles and Henry Percy's rehabilitation. It seems to have been a very peaceful time. Edward was secure on the throne at last. At least he was secure from Lancastrians. But dissent was rising from his own side, indeed from within his own family. Ah. Yes, we've heard the story several times about how Warwick and George, Duke of Clarence, Edward IV's brother, rebelled, and how they captured Edward but didn't dare execute him, and how Edward restored to the throne outwardly forgave Warwick and Clarence, but in effect gradually edged them out. And during all these shenanigans, Henry Percy was piggy in the middle. In 1467, Edward placed him in the care of William Herbert, later to have Henry Tudor as his ward. Although Percy was eight years older, so probably had very little to do with Tudor. And Herbert was given instructions to report to Edward about how Henry Percy was coming along. Was he a closet Lancastrian or could Edward safely trust him? Although Edward had Henry Percy in his custody for over a decade, apparently the two got on well. And I didn't get the impression that Henry Percy resented his treatment necessarily. It was just how things were. If Henry Percy were a closet Lancastrian, imprisonment had taught him to keep his thoughts to himself. Well, the other question is, is how would he have become a Lancastrian? Yeah. He wouldn't have been around a single person who was Lancastrian. Unless he held resentment about his father's death. Maybe. I would. (laughs) Yeah. And John de Vere certainly did. Hmm. Okay. Henry Percy was in the troops that went to Lincolnshire to put down what was thought to be a low-level disturbance by Lord Wells. And when they got there, it transpired that the backers of the rebellion were Warwick and Clarence. And it was a good deal bigger than they'd thought. Warwick and Clarence fled north, and Edward rewarded Henry Percy with the restoration of his earldom. And that's when he got it. And presumably this was to put the north in the hands of someone who might be disloyal, Henry Percy, rather than someone who definitely was disloyal, the Earl of Warwick. I suppose you've got to hedge your bets, really, haven't you? Yes. (laughs) Yes, you do. It's like diversifying your investment portfolio. Yes. Everything's bad. Put a little bit in everything. Some of Henry Percy's land that was returned to him had been given to Clarence, and this was restored to Henry Percy without Clarence's consent. Ooh, that's going to make you popular. That's all right. Clarence isn't interested in money and riches and (laughs) (laughs) self-promotion. Not at all. He doesn't want to be king. No, he's all give, that man. (laughs) (laughs) Warwick and Clarence fled across the channel 
And when they came back for round two with Edward... Fight! <laughs> Henry Percy <laughs> marched south to fight them. But Edward thought discretion was the part of valour and fled abroad. When Edward IV re-entered England at Ravenspur, as you remember, it's sort of if you remember, it's in out, in out with all these people at this time. Yeah, I'm, tr- I'm trying to who take- says England hasn't been invaded is missing a huge <laughs> chunk right here because it's just one invasion after another. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to cut this down to the to the bare bones because we've we've done, we've done it all before and it's a bit earlier than our time. So yeah, Henry in, Edward By out. By the Henry end of in. this, we will be experts in the roar of the roses. <laughs> Who did what when? Well, this person left, then he came back. Then this person left, and then they came back. Well, if you want to follow it, it's uh, it's on our website. We've got I wrote the whole thing out. I remember just just to get it straight in my own head as much as anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when when Edward the Fourth was at Ravenspur, he was on the edge of Percy country, and he wasn't going to be able to attract followers quote other than with the said Earl or at least by his commandment unquote. So the tables have turned. Edward now needs Henry Percy. And so was probably quite relieved that Ooh. he'd been nice to him. Yes. It's always always better to be nice to people. Yes, it is. <laughs> and I think Edward perhaps knew that. Edward put it about that he had Henry Percy's full backing and displayed letters under Percy's seal inviting him to come to England. I don't know whether this was true. The way it was phrased in the book I read implied that he'd forged the seal. But that would be quite dangerous mm-hmm. if he's in Percy territory. So I think I think Henry Percy might have sided with him. Even with the Percy seal of approval, many wouldn't have followed Edward since they all remember the Battle of Towton when the old Earl of Northumberland was killed by an army led by Edward. Yeah, that's not going to bode well. I've got a seal. You killed my father. Yes, and his father, and his father. And his father, and my brother, and his brother. And here you are in our territory. Good luck. (laughs) With a, hey, I've got a pass key. (laughs) No, you don't. (laughs) People looked to Percy to see what he would do. And he did nothing, either for or against Edward. He'd made this up to his own advantage and was doing a Thomas Stanley. Oh, those seem to be the people that managed to make it through. Yes, I think so. So this is a history lesson. Mm. Just weigh your options and don't do anything at all. You will survive. (laughs) If you've got a brother, use him. Yes. If you haven't, just step away. Yes. If Edward won, Percy would be rewarded for his loyalty for not having turned against him. And if Henry VI won, Percy couldn't be admonished for not having joined in, since as far as I know, Henry didn't ask him to. Oh. So his best bet was to sit it out and see what happened. Yeah. This seems to have become quite a habit with him. And yeah, as with the Stanleys, it usually paid off. Because when you think about how many noble families there were compared to how many fought in the various battles of the Wars of the Roses, I think many people favoured this tactic. Yeah. And Edward IV seemed to think that Percy had done enough and thanked him for, quote, a right good and notable service, unquote. But his service was doing nothing. Yes, but it wasn't sort of snapping his fingers and saying saying to everybody in Percy territory, nab him. <laughs> right, right, very true. Which he could have done. Yes. And this paid off this time when Edward won the throne back, putting Henry VI back in the tower and then quietly disposing of him. Although apparently he died of pure displeasure and melancholy. Warwick was killed soon after in the Battle of Barnet. Edward then defeated Margaret of Anjou and her awful son Edward at the Battle of Tewkesbury. 
That's the time when William Stanley very kindly broke the news of Edward's death to Margaret. So Henry's on the Henry Henry's picked the right side, really, in as much as he picked either. Yeah. Henry Percy then came down to London to tell Edward how he had put down an insurrection in the north, and so now it was all safe up there. Did he though? Or was he just saying, Hey, I did this? People at the time seemed to think it was very telling that he was not dressed for battle. Ah. Evidently, to make the story of any fighting convincing, you had to tell the tale wearing, in armor? The, wearing the gore-spattered clothes you were wearing to fight. But you rode all the way down to London to tell him and you would have not washed? Ew. That seemed to be what was expected. Oh, that's so gross. Hmm. The lack of blood-stained armour seemed... People thought that was very suspicious. <laughs> that makes no sense whatsoever. It would have taken them weeks to get down to London. Yeah. But whatever they thought, as we said, Parliament then revoked the attainder. So that's the two The two years where Henry Percy sort of being on the side of Edward. It sounds like a trial of. period when you're at work. Mm. We won't actually hire you until we see how you do. Yeah. But hmm. I suppose they maybe they well they already had the the title just handy so they might as well give him that and yeah if he had enough money he'd be able to look after the north but I'll you know, just keep you on a bit of a short rope hmm. until until we know for certain hmm. anyway it's passed the test sort of by <laughs> not actually doing anything and that seems to be the story of Henry Percy's life if I don't actually harm you. I'm probably doing you good and should be rewarded. I don't... Yeah. I... That seems like a pretty pathetic way to... I don't know how to explain it. Like, I'm not going to reward you for doing nothing. I suppose if you're in a situation where people are actively rising up against you someone who doesn't do that mm -hmm. you just think oh thank you thank you for not doing that Maybe, i've got so yeah. much else on my plate yeah in 1474 henry percy accompanied edward to france and he was a senior commander and brought a larger force than the dukes of both norfolk and suffolk and percy was with the king when he crossed the bridge at piccany to meet louis XI, when louis gave him a large pension on condition that he head straight back to england right and although Henry Percy may have felt it was his duty to accompany the, the king to France, he wasn't so much interested in France as in Scotland. Because being a being a northern noble, it was a more pressing issue for him. Yes. Because we've seen this. Those, those with interests down south worry about France, and with those with interests up north worry about Scotland. Well, Scotland's actually raiding your I was going to country. say, Scotland, you have a lot more to worry about up there. <laughs> it's not even a, a, a sea to shipwreck in on the way there. You just step over the border. <laughs> Henry Percy, like most other nobles, was perpetually short of money. Although one of the perks of being attainted was it's a bit like a bankruptcy, because some of your debts are erased. Oh, because you... Right. Mm. The claim is against the property, not against you. Mm. Percy lived relatively frugally, helped no doubt by the fact that he didn't go to the royal court very much. He did initially spend 27% of his income on retainers, but that came from living so close to Scotland. Right. You can't exactly not defend yourself. Mm, that is the most important thing. And he must have been pretty canny with money, since over the years he gradually dragged the Percy estates out of the red. Oh, and this was that's part... unusual. I know, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but 
But he must have considered it important because plenty of other nobles just borrowed and borrowed and borrowed, didn't they? Yeah. But this was in part due to the fact that due to a truce Edward made with Scotland, the Percy estates were less vulnerable to attack for a while. Ah. And that made a difference. Yes. But back in 1471, Edward had given his brother Richard, Duke of Gloucester, the land forfeited by the Earl of Warwick. And this was a big chunk of land, still nowhere near what Henry Percy owned. So Percy was still top dog in the north. However, if Richard were to marry Warwick's daughter Anne, he would inherit her half of the Neville estates, which that were due to her and Isabel. Warwick's other daughter, who had the misfortune to be married to George, Duke of Clarence. And had the misfortune to be married to Richard. Yes. <laughs> Neither one of those brothers was a prize. <laughs> no, I wouldn't have thought so. No. And then, yeah, I think, um, well, I was about to say, uh, Elizabeth Woodville probably did best, but actually he wasn't a particularly nice husband, was he? No. <sighs> then Richard would be the biggest landowner in the North. He did marry Anne, and despite George's protestations, he got Anne's share of the inheritance. And then George's wife died, and George decided that she'd been poisoned by Anchorette Twinho, as we saw before, and had her executed, and then George was drowned in a vat of Barnsby. God. So, now, land's position, wardship, all fell into Richard's lap. And he made himself unpopular with other landowners in the area, with the vigour with which he pursued his entitlement through the courts. And the most irate landowner was Henry Percy. And he was not only annoyed that Richard was getting all the plum positions and the most land, but that Richard was poaching men out of Percy's retinue. Henry Percy was beginning to find it difficult to recruit people because he didn't have the vast resources that Richard had. He might be back in the black, but he's not... Right. He's, he's... not paying top dollar. Mm. And people were throwing their loyalty to the wind and just following the money. Mm -hmm. As we saw in the Come With Me, If You Will. That's, he was just hemorrhaging people. Well, when the loyalty keeps going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, and you're constantly dealing with war, you do chase the money because you don't know who is who anymore. The money is the only bit you're going to understand, really, isn't it? Yeah. Money's probably the only bit that's going to stay... In your pocket. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in 1473, Percy married William Herbert's sister... Maud. Her brother had married the Queen's sister, and so Percy now had a familial link with the Woodvilles. Ooh! I mean, quite tenuous, but it's there. Yes. In 1474, he was made a Knight of the Garter. So it's not all doom and gloom for Henry Percy. No. Henry Percy had a word with Edward IV about Richard's behaviour. Although Edward promised to have a little chat with him, Richard continued to poach Percy's men. Oh. 28th July 1474, Percy signed a legal indenture which effectively handed over to Richard the unofficial title of the Lord of the North. Right. In it, Percy, quote, promises and grants the said Duke to be his faithful servant, to do service unto the said Lord at all times lawful and convenient, unquote. And Richard, quote, Promises and grants the said Earl to be his good and faithful Lord at all times and to sustain him in his right afore all other persons, unquote. Does that mean he's going to stop poaching his people? He promised to. Did he? Yep. <gasps> but the upshot of this was that Percy had become one of Richard's retainers. Interesting. So why did Henry Percy sign this? 
Richard had become by far the stronger of the two men in the north. Yeah. And this agreement at least gave Percy dominance on the eastern border and in the far north. That was arranged by them, that he would have those two bits. He might have realised that he had lost the battle for supremacy in the north, so he might as well harness himself to the winner rather than just expect to be completely swamped. Yeah. I mean, that's what Richard would do. He'd sort of plough his way straight across and take over everything. Well, Edward's now firmly on the throne. There aren't any other contenders. Mm. The contenders have been removed. Yep. And his brother was, at this point, still considered completely loyal Mm -hmm. and was a good retainer for his brother Edward. So you're not going to win against him. No. And I'm sure that's what Henry Percy was thinking. Yeah. Especially after he asked Edward to have a word with Richard and nothing happens. Yes. I see where this is going. Yeah. Yeah. But it must have been quite a humiliation for a man whose family had ruled the North for centuries. Is it, though? Because he had started as a hostage. Hmm. It's it's, it's so hard to see how, how they'd view it. Is he viewing it from his own point of view or from the family's the point of view? Family, I don't know. Hmm. After this, Richard and Henry Percy seem to have got on much better. Now that the lines had been drawn, Richard did stop poaching retainers, and they were able to cooperate much more. And Percy wasn't the only powerful no- noble that became subsumed into Richard's power base. So you know, well, he is the brother of the king. He hmm. outranks you. Yeah, everybody. At this time, there's a lot of diplomatic toing and froing between Edward IV and James III of Scotland, which need not concern us here, but which culminated in the raid by the Earl of Angus, who ravaged the countryside and set fire to Bamborough Castle. I'm not sure who owns Bamborough Castle at the moment, because um, obviously the... <laughs> it goes back and forth and back and forth. <laughs> Percy uncle hasn't got it anymore. Percy was not happy about that, and in September, Richard authorised him to retaliate <gasps> and to, to gather retainers for a raid into Scotland. James III said that all would be forgotten if Edward held his side of the treaty. Even though... What? James was... James was the aggressor. <laughs> yes. But I suppose that's the way to approach it, isn't it? It's okay. I, I'll completely forgive you everything you've done if you just oh. stick to the treaty. No, no, no. Edward was in favour of a peaceful solution. It just... It's probably just easier. Right. You're not going to win with Scotland. It's going to be a constant battle. So it's much easier just to say, all right, well, we'll forget it this time. But despite Edward's qualms, it was now Richard who was in charge of England's war plans and he put his foot down. (laughs) Edward left Richard to it. He had other things on his mind. It was the year was 1481 and there'd been a disastrous harvest. Right. Country's exchequer was in dire straits and Edward was forced to make peace with France because he couldn't afford to jeopardise that nice fat fat little pension he was getting. Yes. Scotland was probably the last thing on his mind. He didn't have to worry too much since James had written to Louis XI to ask for aid, but Louis didn't even bother to write back. (laughs) (laughs) You know you're not worth anything when they don't even bother to say no. (laughs) Well, he's had two attacks of apoplexy by this time, so he was on the way out, really. Ah. (laughs) Richard and Percy hanging around waiting to attack Scotland, were getting thoroughly fed up. Edward was dragging his feet, it seemed to them. He then said that Scotland would have to wait until next year because it was too late in the season. They'd missed the fighting season. (laughs) (laughs) Richard and Henry Percy 
decided to ignore this. <gasps> oh my gosh, they're going against the king or against the season? Both. Oh dear. Especially since we're up quite far north. Uh-oh. <laughs> they launched a siege on Berwick. It didn't go down very well, and they were forced to call it a day until next year, which must have been a bit galling since that's exactly what his big brother had told him he ought to do. <laughs> <laughs> and Edward's like, <sighs> when will you listen? Edward then arranged terms with Albany that he should oust James III and then become a King Alexander of Scotland. This is probably rather sim- too simplistic, but Edward seemed like a tactician, while Richard seems to want to go in all guns blazing. Mm-hmm. Richard, Percy and Albany marched up to Edinburgh and they bypassed Berwick because they only had enough money for a month-long campaign. Why, why do people do this? We hear this all the time. Yeah. If you haven't got the money, don't don't attack anybody. <laughs> yes. there. I'm trying to think of the historian. He said that in all wars... It isn't the most powerful or the most strategic. It entirely comes down to who has more resources to be able to pour into the battle. Mm. Money, people, supplies. Yeah. If you have that, you're going to win. End of story. Well, then we come across people, I'm thinking more on the classical time, very wealthy rulers who set off completely unprepared because <laughs> they think yes. they know best. They've, yes. got the, they've got the resources, they just haven't brought them with them. Yeah. Hmm. So at that point, you're not bringing your resources to bear. No. No. Anyway, James frantically began to muster troops, but then he was arrested by his own people. And if you want to hear about that, I suggest you listen to Rex Factor, James the mm-hmm. Third. <laughs> Richard, Henry Percy and Albany entered Edinburgh unopposed. But it was not to last since, as I said, they only had enough money to pay the troops for four weeks. So on the way home, they took Berwick without a fight. I think this is the one that Francis Lovell was on when he went there, showed his face and then came back down again. Hello. Yes. I'm here, everybody. Everyone to see I'm here. Okay. <laughs> right. I'll still be here even if you can't see me. Yes. <laughs> Albany went into exile because he hadn't been able to gain the support he'd hoped for in Scotland. We've heard all this before. People coming mm-hmm. into these things thinking, everyone will just follow me. They never yes. do. No. Edward wasn't at all happy about this escapade. It had cost £100,000 just to get Berwick. On the plus side, they kept Berwick. Been English ever since. But, but still. They didn't keep hold of Edinburgh. There was no change of regime. It was a complete waste of time and money. Oh, darn. But because everything else was going so badly, it paid Edward to build up the Scottish War as a huge success and deflect everyone's attention from disasters elsewhere. Propaganda! So Henry Percy was lauded as a war hero. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Then Edward died. Richard intercepted young Edward V on his way to London and took over the protectorate. He sent the boys' Woodville relatives, Earl Rivers, Richard Gray and Thomas Vaughan, to Pontefract. Richard told Edward V, while exhibiting a mournful countenance, that he'd removed the men from his presence, quote, to safeguard his own person, because he knew for certain that there were men close to the king who have sworn to destroy his honour and his life, unquote. Which was true enough. No, (laughs) they don't. They're my uncles. I trust them. 
You're just a child. Shut up. It turned out that there was a few people hanging around that (laughs) had their ideas about the poor child's life. It's just a different (laughs) uncle. Yeah, to young Edward's credit, he told Richard that he didn't believe him and that his father wouldn't have bequeathed him men who weren't up to the job. So Richard seemed to have been a bit taken aback by this. He had assumed the boy would thank him for getting rid of puny men, but Edward wasn't in a position to stand up against his uncle and realised he'd just have to submit. Richard wanted to do everything officially and above board, so he arranged for the Council of the North to try the three Woodville men, and he assumed that they would understand the necessity of disposing of Richard Graham Vaughan. But they didn't. They said, quote, there appeared no certain case, unquote, because that's the trouble with doing things officially and above board. Sometimes it doesn't go the way you want. Yes. Henry Percy, along with Richard Ratcliffe, the cat and rat, Yes, and love all the dog. And the dog. Condemned the men to be executed. And the fact that Henry the Percy was called the chief judge implies some sort of legal process, but no. This was conducted without any form of trial and are completely separate from the Council of the North. <sighs> and Richard must have promised Percy protection against any comeback from these actions. Otherwise, it's hard to see why Percy would have agreed to do this. And was, was Rivers guilty? It seems very unlikely. I don't think so. No. And did Percy believe Rivers was guilty? Probably not. Also seems quite unlikely. So he seems very much in Richard's pocket now. Ah, you've just lost any of my admiration. Mm. You just put people to death for absolutely no reason, except that you were told to. Yes. Yes. Up to that point, hadn't heard anything particularly bad about it. Doesn't mean he wasn't doing bad things. I just... Only following orders. Yes. Percy put his weight behind Richard's bid for power. And if there had been any hard feelings about how he'd been treated in the North, would he have done that? Seems unlikely. Since if the Woodfields had won and they disposed of Richard, Percy would probably have been Lord of the North again. Oh. So I couldn't entirely understand why he hadn't thought that through. Especially he does have Woodville connections. Tenuous, yes. but he has them. So maybe there's a bit of uh, Stockholm Syndrome there as well. Yeah. On the 10th of June, Richard wrote to the city of York, claiming that the Queen, Elizabeth Woodville, was trying to kill him. (laughs) (laughs) She probably was. (laughs) (laughs) And the city was shocked that Richard was being threatened with assassination by the Queen. By a woman. Yeah. Not just the Queen. Yeah. Richard Ratville arrived in the city with instructions from Richard... Ratfield? You poor man. Sorry, Richard Ratcliffe arrived <laughs> in the <you>. city <laughs> with instructions from Richard to be given by word of mouth to the city. They were told to assemble a force to go to Henry Percy and follow Richard's orders. Yes. Percy set off straight away for Hull, 40 miles away, and he arrived at the port with a proclamation, hopefully less than 2,000 words, that said, <laughs> quote, that all men being between the ages of 60 and 16, should be ready to attend of my Lord of Northumberland at Pontefract the morning after, unquote. That's, I'm sorry, 60? Six zero. That's you're all going to take men people... between 60 and 16. So you're going to take poor old men yep. with you? Well, no, because the next morning 12 men turned up. Yes, but you're demanding that even the elderly come. You are. 
but only 12 of them turned up. That makes you sound desperate. Yes. It doesn't sound like all the men between 60 and 16. You feel there's got to be more than 12, unless unless there's a strange polarised demographic in Hull that consists only of children and pensioners. Well, there's been so many wars. Maybe. Except then where would all the children come from? Yeah. In the city of York, a second proclamation was read out, given the, given the lacklustre response to the first one. And this proclamation was more urgent and more specific as to the intentions of the campaign. Quote, to the subduing, correcting and punishing of the Queen, unquote. Oh. I wonder how many people would have... Been okay with Would have this. risked that. Punishing the Queen, you'd think, well, who am I to punish a Queen? Even so, the city didn't send its army on time. Not least because they were faffing about what livery the soldiers should wear. The city, <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> the city of York livery or Richard's. I mean, it sounds pretty trivial to us, but I should think it made a difference to those they were trying to recruit, who they're actually fighting for. Yes. Oh my goodness. So the battle's not going to happen because I have nothing to wear. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in these shoes? Yes. <laughs> It's interesting that Richard assumed that Henry Percy would side with him against the Woodvilles. For all he knew, Percy could have thought, the Queen wants to kill Richard. Great. Yeah. (laughs) I'm free. Yeah. (laughs) In fact, the speed with which Percy leapt into action implies that there's been arranged between them in advance. So how how much advance? Did Richard have the gift of second sight that he could foresee that the Queen was going to try to assassinate him? (sighs) that may be a sigh of frustration (laughs) (laughs) so why did henry percy choose to follow richard rather than young edward v well you could have hoped for advancement for richard and with richard busy in london he could hope for a greater role in the north also his links with edward v were so convoluted that he was hardly going to be very high up the pecking order there were a lot of woodvilles to get to before he'd get, they'd get yes. to him uh, and the woodvilles surrounding the boy would have held percy's links to with richard against him so this is a just opportunistic is what we're talking about i don't think there's much choice he's got to go with oh. richard okay i think yeah tying himself to richard rather than making him a rival for the land of the north was going to pay off because Richard became king. Yes. Which, unexpectedly. Oh, yeah, it was nobody's plan. Sometimes things just happen. (laughs) Before Richard's accession to the throne, he promised Henry Percy the wardship of the Middle and East Marches, and that's the border with Scotland. After his coronation, Richard confirmed these positions. But the appointment was only for a year, which might have given rise to some concern. Which Give me rise to concern. You think, well, I've been doing this job already. Yes. Why am I only getting it for a year? Percy arrived in London with 4,000 men in time for the coronation. That's Richard III's coronation, not Edward V's, obviously. The Londoners were terrified of these barbarian northerners and instigated a 10 o'clock curfew. <laughs> <laughs> because people, people don't do bad things before 10 o'clock. <laughs> but in fact, they were as well behaved as soldiers ever are. So not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Percy headed the earls in the procession of the coronation, carrying the sword before the king. Wow. Yeah, well, he's right in there. Yeah. And presumably Francis 
Francis, I always want to say Francis Bacon, Fran presumably Francis Lovell wasn't carrying the sword because he wasn't there in an official capacity. He was there as the friend of king, the king. king's mate, yes. Yeah. It's my drinking partner. Yes, probably. <laughs> At the beginning of Richard's reign, Henry Percy seemed 100% committed. But by 1484, he was getting disillusioned. He had assumed that with Richard down south, he would have a free reign in the north. So what must have been his disappointment when Richard instituted the Council of the North and put John de la Pole nominally in charge? Although, as we've heard in John de la Pole's episode, Richard was still pulling the strings, even the really yes. tiny strings. <laughs> yes, everything. The worst micromanager there could be. Telling him which table he should sit at when he ate his breakfast. Yes. Oh, not that, not that chair. You get a stool. <laughs> Henry Percy was pretty much given the position of showing de la pole the ropes and that was not what he'd expected <laughs> oh that's the worst when everybody applies for the job and the person who's holding it doesn't get it and they have to train the person who's replacing them yes oh that's so rude i'm surprised richard didn't think this through he must have no. he must have understood that how that would make henry percy feel yeah also when richard became king the agreement not to poach percy's retainers went out the window Oh, gosh. <laughs> You're making friends every which way. This is going so poorly. Mm. And it was, yeah, he'd, he'd sort of built him up before he was king. And now... I don't need you anymore? That's what it's beginning to sound like. I've got John de la Pole. Oh. All right, he doesn't know what to do, but just tell him what to do, would you? <laughs> oh, this is oh, not good. Not no. good. But he was, he was perfectly within his rights to recruit Percy's men into royal service. He's the step up. Richard took five of the men that Percy had knighted during the Scottish campaign. You know, key figures for Percy. You know, I'm not very good at humaning, but even I can see that this is a problem. Mm. <laughs> that often seems to be a lack of empathy, I think. Just walk walk from a mile in Henry Percy's shoes and let's see. Oh, goodness. See how you'd think about it. You'd think this, because out of the five people... That included Percy's brother-in-law and the, the wonderful, wonderfully named Sir Marmaduke Constable. I love Marmaduke oh, Constable. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to do a cameo about him, but he just he's one of these names. You think, oh, it's Marmaduke Constable, and he's gone. <laughs> Aww. Percy relied on the loyalty of his retainers to maintain his status in the North. And this was beginning to be nibbled away by Richard. Yes. Whether intentionally or not. I mean, he might have just thought, I need these people. Or he might have have his own agenda. I mean, you would think it was in Richard's benefit to have a strong north. Yes. But again, he may have had an almost subconscious desire uh, to hold to his grip in the north, even if it meant weakening purses. Oh, possibly. Because... Micromanaging doesn't want to let go of anything. No, no. But still, you're not keeping the big fish. You're stealing all the little fish. Does he assume that there's power in numbers instead? You need somebody there. And I don't think John Tlapol was really the person. He wasn't. No. <laughs> he wasn't the person that people looked to. They'd have looked to Percy. I mean, he's been there forever. For a while, successfully. Yeah. He'd already proven himself, even if it was just to say hello. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he was on Richard's side against the Duke of Buckingham and soon put down his rebellion, although it was mainly put down by Buckingham himself and his unpopularity. <laughs> oh, dear. 
and Percy was welcomed into the Grand Chamberlainship of England, which is not the same role <laughs> William Stanley and Lord Dobney held, but is an empty title, but an impressive one. Yeah. You don't do anything. You've just got a badge, I think. <laughs> little little enamel badge. <laughs> does he get money too? <laughs> he does. <laughs> he does get money. Um, he gets, because he also holds the office of Steward of England and the Lord Lordship of Holderness, I'm not sure what that is, which brought in a thousand pounds a year. And we've already heard that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So they were both positions vacated by Buckingham. But he also became Captain of Berwick, which brought in five thousand pounds a year. Wow. Yeah. Wow. A very wealthy man. Except he's still probably in debt. Because they're not good with their money. Not all Percy's lands were in the north. In 1484, Percy's mother, Eleanor, died and she was a Poynings. Yeah, small world. Really? <laughs> so Henry Percy inherited the Poynings estates in the south of England. And he was also granted manors in Kent, Essex, Devon, Somerset, Dorset, Suffolk, Gloucestershire and Wales. Quote, for special causes us moving. I'm not sure what they were or what that even means. <laughs> Those are just words. <laughs> <laughs> just jumbled together. But then Henry Tudor landed at Milford Haven. Henry Percy has been castigated by historians for the slowness of his response to Richard's plea for reinforcements. Henry had landed on the 7th of August, but it was the 16th when Percy finally started gathering troops. Michael Bennett, in his book about the Battle of Bosworth, Henry Percy's slowness to muster troops amounted to, quote, a gross dereliction of duty, unquote. And he reckoned Percy wasn't keen to fill his troops with too many eager royalists since he was keeping his options open. Right. It's another one of those. But was this the case? It could have been just a delay in communications. It took four days for the news of Henry's landing to reach King Richard in the Midlands. Very true. He would have been sending communiques all over the place and maybe the one to York was slow getting through and... Henry Percy wasn't actually in York at this time. He was on one of his estates in East Yorkshire. So you get to York, he's not here, and now i got to find out where he is before yep. I can even get to him. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. And communication across rugged countryside could well have been slow. Mm-hmm. And then he would have to start to recruit men across a wide area. Yes. Also, his wife had just died. Oh, mm. he could be in mourning and closed, uh, clo- closeted off. She was called Maud. We, don't, we haven't come across many Mauds. No. Polydore Virgil said that Richard sent a message to Percy, quote, in whom he had great confidence to come with speed to him in Nottingham, unquote. And this is Polydore Virgil writing. I was just wondering if he's rubbing salt in the wound. <laughs> <laughs> back, to, back to snidey Virgil. <laughs> Look how Richard was deceived. It's known that Henry Tudor tried to contact Henry Percy to sound him out as a potential ally, but it's thought that the letters didn't reach him. According to Virgil, Henry sent Christopher Erswick to contact Percy. Erswick was Margaret Beaufort's confessor, and he'd been sent to Henry while he was in exile in Brittany to tell him it wasn't safe for him there anymore and he should flee to France. So he's all over the place. And Bray met with Erswick as well. I know he was part of the backwards and forwards messages. Erswick travelled to Scotland. Percy then was. I don't know why Percy was in Scotland. Apparently, quote, to treat for a new marriage alliance with Percy, unquote, which was presumably a ruse. 
Oh, okay. So he's not just, you know what? I can't stand Richard anymore. Can I please join Scotland? Uh, no, I don't know why he was in Scotland. Um, there was nothing nothing about it in the thing. I thought, what? what? I thought about leaving it out, but I thought, <laughs> well, it says it. So maybe he was, I don't know, building bridges metaphorically, literally. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but as Virgil puts it, he could find, quote, nobody to whom he dare pass on the commission to the Earl, unquote. So that was that, really. He didn't dare hand the letters over to anyone and said, look, when you find him, could yes. you give him that, just in case it went landed in the hands of the wrong people. Yeah. So, But what would have been his response had he got the letters? Maybe Henry Tudor had heard that he might be feeling a tad miffed about how he'd been treated by Richard and thought he'd... I would be. ...try him out. But Try him out? <laughs> like a pair of shoes. <laughs> But with Henry Percy's retainers being seduced over to Richard's side for money, could he trust them to follow him if he did decide to go over to Henry Tudor's side? I think Henry Percy would have been a fool to risk it, really. They've already left you for money. (laughs) He might say, come on, lads, let's follow Henry Tudor. And they're all like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, everybody. But I, I didn't read this anywhere, but it's just a thought of my own. What if he did get the letters? Because that would ex- surely explain his actions or lack of them at Bosworth. Mm. Anyway, he did arrive in the Midlands on time. It's not as though he missed the battle or anything. <laughs> he uh, no, he got there before the battle, so it wasn't that slow. No. He made his will before Bosworth, and he requested that his body be buried at Beverley in Yorkshire. But only, quote, if it fortune me to depart from this present life within the county of York, unquote. So it must have been a consideration with him, as with everyone else at Bosworth, that he might not come back. Yeah. Gosh, can you imagine that? And is that a defeatist attitude? (laughs) I need to make my will because I'm going to (laughs) die. Everybody did it. Everybody here before every battle, before every crossing of the channel. channel. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's very different from now. I've crossed the channel several times and it never occurred to me to make a wheel before it went. (laughs) At the battle, Percy was in the rear guard with 10,000 men, including 3,000 horse. I don't know why he would say horse instead of horses, but it's what it's always called, isn't it? 3,000 horse. It's always called that. Richard and the other noble knights charged down the hill on their horses. And Richard looked back at Percy, who hadn't moved. They were shouting, come on. Hey. What are you doing? Stop looking at your phone. (laughs) (laughs) If he'd had those reinforcements, it's hard to see how he could have lost. Oh. And yet Percy just stood there watching. Oh, this is really interesting. Yes, the chronicler Molinet said that Percy, quote, ought to have charged the French. It's interesting that he calls them the French. A lot of them were French on Henry's side. Yes. But did nothing except flee both he and his company, to abandon his King Richard, unquote. Oh, see, that's not going to give you bonus points on either side. Well, Molinet said that it was when Richard noticed Percy's desertion that his officers advised him to flee because they suspected treachery. Well, if he's just flee, fleed, fleed, flown... Treason, treason. You would assume... Yeah, tre- <laughs> it's treacherous. He's not, he's not think, well, I'll creep, I'll creep round the side 
and sneak up on the back. He wasn't doing that, it seems. No, he's like, goodbye! <laughs> but I read somewhere else that when Richard was killed, Percy just turned his troops around and started the long walk home. So a slight difference in the order of events. Either he legged it, Richard saw he was going and thought, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound, I'll just go with my sword above my head shouting. Or Richard was killed first and Percy thought, oh, I'm not starting fighting now. Either way, he was soon intercepted and taken to Henry, and he knelt in homage to the new King Henry. But although he was arrested, he wasn't attainted. We've said before that the Stanley brothers changed the course of history by moving in when they did, but Percy can be said to have done so by not moving at all. (laughs) (laughs) So why didn't he move? This was one of the questions I I wanted answering when I first looked at this. There are several explanations. So... You know, it's take your pick time. Was it a simple matter of betrayal? Perhaps he had never liked Richard and resented his takeover of the North. Or maybe he was doing a Stanley and waiting to see how the battle would go before he committed himself. But by the time he had committed himself, it was all over. And he thought, oh, well, (laughs) that was lucky. (laughs) Blimey. (laughs) Or... John de Vere made his troops into a wedge, which cut Percy's troops off from the rest of the battle. But that doesn't explain why Percy didn't just attack the wedge. Yeah. Or there may have been marshy ground in front of him that he couldn't cross, especially with the horses. But that just begs Mm -hmm. the question, why was he put or why did he put himself behind a marsh? Right. Or Molinay thought... (laughs) (laughs) There's plenty more. Molinay thought he had an understanding with Henry... So maybe those letters got through and they planned this between them. Oh. Or was it some childhood link between them for their time living with William Herbert? The historian and MP, Chris Skidmore, um, said that Percy had expected more from Richard. He'd been on his side in the North and he expected greater rewards. We've seen that before. Yes, we have. The William Stanley syndrome. Yes. Or... The Spanish account of the battle, written by De Valera, goes further. He called him Percy Tamalant, which I guess is an approximate pronunciation of the word Northumberland. <laughs> but, what? But, but very approximate. Tamalant. Northumberland. Hmm? He said that Henry was later told that Percy, quote, had not really intended this Henry to be king, but had rather arranged for the son of the Duke of Clarence to become king and marry a daughter of his, unquote. Oh, Edward. Edward. No, you're special, a special friend. friend. De Valera also said that Percy's troops had actively attacked Richard's troops. He took his men ahead of Richard's so that it appeared he was in the vanguard to attack Henry, and then he ordered his men to turn around and attack Richard. So everybody, nobody knows what's going on, essentially. Nobody has an accurate account. This seems unlikely since no other sources mention actually attacking, and they surely would. It may be that they turned around to attack John de Vere's wedge of troops, so it looked as if they were attacking Richard. De Valera's account seems to be out on a limb, but it was based on a first-hand account by Juan de Salazar. And he's a fascinating man, so now we've mentioned him, but we can even do a cameo episode. (laughs) If we can find any information. Salazar was there right beside Richard. So if anyone would know, it would be him. Why was he right beside Richard? Oh, we'll have to wait for a cameo episode. I can't remember now, but I remember reading about him and thinking, oh, interesting man. 
Mm-hmm. But this was quite a long time ago that I read this and I can't remember a thing about him now. So, OK, I'll put him on the list. There is another possibility, though. For all his status as a war hero, Percy had never actually fought in a battle. Really? He'd been too young for St Albans, Towton and Hedgley Moor. He hadn't been at the battles of Barnet and Tewkesbury. What about Scotland? The French campaign in 1475 and the Scottish invasion of 1481-2 just fizzled out without a proper fight. In France they were paid off, and in Scotland both Edinburgh and Berwick capitulated without a fight. Oh! He arrived to put down the Buckingham Rebellion, when it was already all over. And when he brought down troops to assist Richard at his coronation, there were no uprisings to put down. He wasn't a battle-hardened general. In fact, he may not have had a clue what he was meant to be doing. So he was just terrified, essentially. Possibly. I might have thought, well, I wondered, did he misjudge it? He thought, all right, I'm going to join in at just the opposite moment. Just the moment. Just the right. Oh, (laughs) I've missed it. It's too late. (laughs) He's dead. (laughs) (laughs) We're almost there. We're almost there. Oh, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Putting his hand up. Sorry, we were just coming. And as it happened, it would have worked well for Percy since it would have, I mean, Henry wouldn't have been able to tell why, yes. why he hadn't done it. Maybe it was just a lapse of judgment. I looked through the Ricardian magazine back catalogue to find more information about Henry Percy and I couldn't find any articles on him at all. So I suspect he might be persona non grata with Ricardians. <laughs> <laughs> Henry VII. Percy was released from prison after six months. It was said, and I think this is by Polly Joe Virgil, that Henry had Percy, quote, seized and held in prison until he handed over the son of the Duke of Clarence, unquote. Ah. Because mm, he was up in Sheriff Hutton, which is up in the north in Yorkshire. So maybe Percy would have had control Good. over him now that everyone else was dead. <laughs> right. I got the impression it didn't take six months to get young Edward safely ensconced in the tower. I thought that was quite a quick thing. As soon as the battle was over, Henry was sending somebody up there to get Edward. Tipped off? It wasn't (laughs) tipped off. (laughs) No, wasn't it the Earl of Oxford? No. Don't think... I thought it was Oxford. Maybe it was. Mm. And this is just going to get worse, isn't it? The more we do, the less we The more we read... And the problem is, is we're reading so many things that are contradictory yes. <laughs> in your head. They start getting muddled because yes. everything the one says hand. something different. <laughs> yes. All these oars from just this episode. Yes. <laughs> Henry Percy hadn't been attainted. In fact, Henry didn't attaint any of the northern magnates. He knew he was vulnerable in Richard's stronghold and he needed all the friends he could get up there. But Percy wasn't entirely trusted by Henry, so he lost his prominent position As we've seen it again and again, Henry had his own people whom he trusted and those who'd done well under Edward and or Richard found themselves way down the pecking order under Henry. Uh, Most of them didn't like it. But we don't get that idea from Henry Percy, though. Okay. He seems to accept things quite a lot. (laughs) Alexander Rose, who wrote a book about the Percy clan, speculated that he was happier in a subordinate role and that's why he allowed himself to become Richard's retainer. Maybe he's just a pacifist. He hasn't fought in a single battle. He tries to avoid it. <laughs> Maybe. And then everybody tells him, you're going to do this. Okay, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes, except that when Richard said, can you kill these three people? Yes, fine. Right. Oh, right. Uh, he didn't have much to complain about, really. He was given back much of what he'd had in the north. 
which had been looked after in the interim by Lord Fitzhugh, Francis Lovell's father-in-law. So again, small world. <laughs> he seems to have been loyal to Henry. And when the king went to York, it was Percy who thwarted Francis Lovell's attempt to assassinate him. Oh, OK. But under Henry, who was intent on bringing down the power of the nobles, it was much harder for them to run their patch autonomously than they were used to doing. Every All the northern magnates had become more of a sort of subcontractor for the, t- for the crown. Yes. Which... Uh, they wouldn't have liked. No, but it was just the way Henry... Did everything. Was doing it, yeah. By 1489, Percy's power had become so weakened that he was effectively a tax collector. And on the whole, tax collectors aren't very popular people. No, they are not. Is this why the mob kills him? Because he's a tax collector? We're coming to that. (laughs) Okay. The North had often been exempted from paying tax up to now due to its poverty and the fact that it kept being raided by the Scots. They needed the money to, to protect their own borders. Henry didn't see why they should be omitted. And he may have held it against them that they'd been Richard's stronghold. So, mm. Or, as we've seen in Cornwall, he just didn't see why anyone should be exempted from taxes. I mean, <laughs> as you said before, even his mum <laughs> was yes. exempted from taxes. <laughs> and Parliament had just voted through a substantial hike in taxes. The city of York pleaded to be exempt from taxes, but Henry refused and eventually they did pay up. The northeast area said that they couldn't pay. And Percy wrote to Henry to tell them it was going to be difficult getting the money out of people who just didn't have it. But Henry was afraid that if he was lenient to the North East, other demands for exemption would follow. Although, as we know, Cornwall was exempt and would stay that way until Perkins' incursion into Scotland. But they had official historical reasons for being exempt. They had their own government in effect. But the yes. North, North, it was just a, you know, can't pay, don't pay. Courtesy. Yes. <laughs> In April 1489, there was an angry gathering at Ayton in Cleveland, consisting of several yeomen and a chaplain. Henry Percy had been attending Parliament in London, but he hot-footed it up there. He wrote to several local worthies, including Robert Plumpton. Now, do you remember Robert Plumpton? I remember the name. Yeah, it was one of yours. Um, he fell foul of Richard Empson. He oh, was He was in a yes. court case with him, yeah. Yes. Um, he wrote to all these people to tell them to muster men to fight the rebellion. Percy met up with the rebels. Apparently, and I don't know how you'd find this out, it had been the intention of the rebels just to talk to Percy and tell him of their grievances. But it all got nasty very quickly. Percy had been told that the men were unarmed, so he approached them what was described as unharnessed, which I presume means without armour. Okay. I think you can probably see how this is going to end Yeah, up. this isn't going to go well. John de Vere tells us that Percy had intended to talk to them, quote, in a peaceful manner, trusting to have appeased them. Howbeit, as it is said, that he is distressed and that they have taken him or slain him, unquote. Henry Percy was dragged from his horse and beaten to death. <gasps> oh, what a way to go. Mm. That's not fast. He hadn't gone to the place alone. He had all his retainers with him. And his retainers just watched? They all just stood and watched. <gasps> you jerks. <laughs> the poet John Skelton wrote, and I'll try and, try and read, uh, this is in A, poetical language, and B, quite tricky um, spelling. And were not they to blame, I say also, that were about him for all servantists of trust, to suffer him slain of his mortal foe, 
fled away from him, let him lie in the dust. They bowed not till the reckoning were discussed. What should I flatter? What should I gloss or paint? Fie, fie for shame, their heartest were so faint, unquote. So, yeah, he feels the same about you. Yes. <laughs> but, but not about you. Sorry, it's the same as you. <laughs> oh, same as me. I understood. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, but again, how many retainers and how many people were in that mob? Did yeah. they have an opportunity? Well, this appears to be a murder due to anger about taxes. God, so killing the messenger. <laughs> John Chamber, a Welshman who had marched to Bosworth with Henry Tudor, was indicted as the principal assassin. But there are always alternative theories. Yes, if he was a principal assassin and he knew Henry Tudor, was it an order? I don't know. I get the impression that um, perhaps John Chambers is in the uh, book depository. Hmm. It turns out that a certain Sir John Egremont was in a feud with Henry Percy over land that Percy had, that John Egremont said was his. And several of Egremont's men were in Percy's retinue. So was this simply a getting rid of a rival for territory? Also in the retinue were Richard III's men, who would have heard how Percy let Richard down at Bosworth, how he didn't move his troops to help the king, so they'd be none too well disposed about him. Maybe it was sort of divine retribution. You didn't move. We're not moving. Yeah. <laughs> oh. But still, just... To watch that. Well, these are warriors. Yes. I guess they're used to that kind of thing. Yes. And I should think most people were used to seeing... Horrors. Bloodshed much more. Yeah. Other people or animals or... Mm. We're just cotton wool now, aren't we? The Great Chronicle of London stated that he'd been killed because of, quote, deadly malice for the disappointing of King Richard at Bosworth Field, unquote. So, yeah. Vengeance. Possibly. That's what the Chronicle thinks. This band of men stayed together after killing Henry Percy and tried to raise an insurrection in the north. They even took over the city of York. When they heard that Henry VII had sent an army to put down the rebellion, everyone dissolved into the countryside, including Lord Egremont. Chantevere was sent to the north to exact revenge on Percy's killers. Just hearing that the army was coming was enough to make people think, well, you know, I didn't... I wasn't expecting this. <laughs> <laughs> Following Percy's death, Henry changed how the North was run. It was no longer to be run as a separate state owned by one extremely powerful man, but it was to be answerable to London. Henry VII was centralising the government of the country. And in a way, this is why people have said in the past that Henry's reign was the break between medieval and early modern worlds. Right. Because in the Middle Ages, people were loyal to their local lord, but now they were being encouraged to have their principal loyalty to the king. Yes. The Percy family didn't die out, but Percy's son was a minor who would never enjoy the influence held by his father. And in fact, he bitterly resented this. Henry recognised him as a bit of a troublemaker. His power was curtailed partly through his own doing and partly through Henry's desire to clip the wings of the nobility. But he, he really played straight into Henry's hands when he was charged with the rape of a ward. <gasps> oh, gosh. Mm. Henry must have thought, oh, he did what? Oh, did he? Oh, goodness. Yeah. Right, we've got him. Uh, there's still a Percy at Annick Castle, it's pronounced. A-L-N-W-I-C-K. It's one of these, <laughs> one of these <laughs> only say half the letters once. Annick Castle. 
And we talked last time about Henry Percy, who was said to have been pre-contracted to Anne Boleyn. Yes. Rating time? Rating time. And Fibberly. Not great, Zero. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> he seems to have been well, com- no. he seems to have been competent. He got the Percy's family the finances back on their on its feet. He but, was financially competent. Yeah, he seems to be more of an accountant than a spy. Yes, and a warrior. Because mm. so far all I hear is him running away. <laughs> I don't think he ran away. It was just he was lucky. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Things didn't kick off as much as they could have done. Um, I don't think in Amphibia you get marks for being competent. No. The reason I was just thinking of that is because mm. he's... He kept all his lands because of his careful... Well, it depends. He was either really lucky or he was incredibly manipulative and knew exactly when to just not be there. Or if they're right about him preferring a subservient role. Oh. Maybe he just... He's... Maybe he was quite canny in that he saw... I'm back to zero. ...what was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> um... I'll give him a one for the possibility. But this business with Earl Rivers' execution implies some subterfuge. Or was it? But that wasn't his subterfuge. That was Richard's That was Richard's. I think he was just being Richard's bully boy, really. The muscle. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean... One. Four. He survived <laughs> till the end. I think I'll give him none because I think one, as my dad used to say, will be ample sufficiency. Okay. <laughs> okay. Understood. So I think one between us. Antiperistasis. Very much up and down. He didn't inherit the title when his father died because his father was attainted. But he was also 12. He did get it later on. Yes. He benefited from Richard becoming king. Yes. That's up and pre- up. He was in prison under Henry, but not for a very long time. And he wasn't attainted? No. He got his lands back, uh, but he was considerably less powerful and ended up collecting taxes. Mm. So I think, he, I think he has to get a lot because he's, all right, he hasn't, he hasn't ended up much higher than he started or indeed much lower than he started, but he certainly had a bit of a journey in between. Yes. And I think that should count, the sort of roller coaster life. I agree. I'm thinking an eight. Ah, uh, yeah. I think I'll go for seven. I'm just being stingier today than you are, I think. Okay. So it's 15 for antiperistasis. Martyrdom. He was killed by a mob. But not because he was doing, not because he was expecting a battle. He no. didn't dive into any battle whatsoever. He tended to just sort of passively take on, okay, you're the new king. Okay, we'll do this. So yeah. I had zero for me. <laughs> I might go. For, I might do go the opposite way. I think I might give him one because he did die in the line of duty. All right. But not, not because he thought he was going to die. No, but okay. he, but he did. So sufficient, or what did you ample sufficiency? Ample sufficiency. <laughs> okay. I met several people who said, "Yeah, my dad used to say ample sufficiency." Oh. <laughs> BT. Did he leave anything? I think if you were to mention the name Henry Percy, that would definitely be the other one people would think of. Yes, it would definitely be the other one. Or, of course, there's Henry Percy Hotspur as well from much earlier. Oh, mm. 
Yeah. And he's mentioned in Shakespeare, so uh, Henry the Fourth, Part One. Um, but then people who are interested in Richard will have heard of him, definitely. And there's quite a lot of them. Well, it's quite a lot of us, I should say. We're all interested in Richard. But they're not even mentioned. You said he wasn't mentioned in the recording. No, but they'll have heard of him. Hmm. <laughs> they just wouldn't want to accept him. Um, I'm still going for a zero. You're going for a zero. I might go for a one because anyone who's read anything about Bosworth knows. I mean, I knew about him that he didn't move. I'll give him a one for the rhyme. He's mentioned in the rhyme. So two. Two for Batim. Flaunt of bleeding flaunt. Nothing. Nothing at all. Oh, dear. Lots of pictures of Henry Percy's I found. There's one by Nicholas Hilliard of the ninth Earl of Northumberland lying in a meadow. And he's got his head resting on his hand. He's looking every every inch the poet. <laughs> and there's, there's photographs of the present Henry Percy. <laughs> Nothing on ours. Okay. Not a thing. Zero. We seem to have had that a lot recently. Yes, we have. Yeah. Total score is 19. 19. Gosh. Um, that's not much. No. It's not the lowest. The lowest is 5.5. Oh, that's little Edward, isn't it? That is little <laughs> Edward. <laughs> and Arthur, Prince Arthur only got 13. But mm. he lived a lot shorter life. <laughs> yeah. Ah, what's he fallen down on? He's fallen down on everything, really, hasn't he? Yes, he has. Yeah. He did lots, but none of it was... None <laughs> of it had oomph. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, I mean, even with uh, Francis Lovell. I can never remember his name. Francis Lovell. After Richard died, he got he got a complete new lease of life, didn't he? he was, yes. Suddenly, he became a different person. I think he was he was probably very busy, but he was busy tending to all his lands in the north, which must have been kept him constantly occupied. Yeah. Anyway, we'll ask the question, but I think I know the answer. <laughs> Are they too delicious or what? I'm sorry, no, not for me. No. No. Sorry, Henry. Sorry. <laughs> this sort of mimics your entire life. <laughs> <laughs> probably, yeah, he'd probably say, that's ah, all right. That's fine. <laughs> I got to get a Ooh. new one for you. Yes. New one. William Caxton. Oh, right. Yes, the that's, printer. That's a bit different. It's different. Yes. Okay. There's got to be stuff about him. I've got there a, has to be. I've got a whole book about him, and I bought a, a book recently, which I haven't, I haven't read either of these books. Why'd you buy the book when we hadn't pulled it? <laughs> I, saw, <laughs> I saw it in a charity shop. It looks... <laughs> I've done that so yes. often. <laughs> And I thought, well, I have a 50-50 chance, so I might as well get it. <laughs> but the book I got just looked beautiful. Um, I saw it on Amazon, although other online retailers are available, um, called The Book in the Renaissance. I thought it just oh. looked like a lovely book. So I wanted it. Um, so, oh, good excuse to read that now. Yeah. <laughs> that is the end of our episode. 
on. Wait a second. Who is he? Who is he? <laughs> Did he do anything? Henry Percy. <laughs> he just got on with his life. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed it and will join us for the next episode on. Well, it should be William Caxton, but it it's going to be. be something in between. It could be Mort Darcy. Ooh, you could do that one. Thank you for listening. You can find details of the podcast and contact us on. In the meantime, small things make base men proud. He was an honest man and a good bricklayer. Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel with those quotes. <laughs> <laughs> The sun is shining in the sky, the birds are singing too. Oh look, there goes a bird to fly, the whole world looks brand new. It's a lovely day for being out, I'm really glad I came. My friends and I just hanging out, at least it didn't rain. The sun is shining in the sky, the, the birds are shining too. in the sky. The oh, let there goes a butterfly, the whole bird looks brand new. It's a lovely day for being out, I'm really glad I came. My friends and I just hanging out, my face it didn't rain. The sun is shining in the sky, the birds are singing too. Oh, let there goes a butterfly, the whole world looks brand new. It's a lovely day for being out, I'm really glad I came. My friends and I just hanging out, my friends it didn't rain. At least it didn't rain. Right, that's it, lads. Let's go home. <laughs> <laughs>